Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Real Life. I'm Lisa, and today we are going to talk about anxiety. Please note that this podcast episode is not intended to replace therapy, counseling, or seeing a psychiatrist. All information is researched and opinions are my own. I am a mental health registered nurse and professional content developer. So let's talk about anxiety. Occasional anxiety, it's an expected part of life. You might feel anxious when faced with a problem at work, before taking a test, or before making an important decision. But anxiety disorders involve more than temporary worry or fear. For a person with an anxiety disorder, the anxiety does not go away and can get worse over time. The symptoms can interfere with daily activities such as job performance, schoolwork, and relationships. There are several types of anxiety disorders, including generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and various phobia-related disorders, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Let's look at some signs and symptoms now concerning generalized anxiety disorder. People with generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD, display excessive anxiety or worry most days for at, for at least six months about a number of things such as personal health, work, social interactions, and everyday routine life circumstances. The fear and anxiety can cause significant problems in areas of their life, such as social interactions, school, and work. Some symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder include feeling restless, wound up, or on edge, being easily fatigued, having difficulty concentrating, or your mind just going blank. Another symptom is being irritable, having muscle tension, difficulty controlling feelings of worry, having sleep problems such as difficulty falling or staying asleep, restlessness, or just plain out unsatisfying sleep. Next, we go to panic disorder. People with panic disorder have recurrent, they're just unexpected panic attacks that come out literally from from nowhere, for no reason. Panic attacks are sudden periods of intense fear that come on quickly and reach their peak within minutes. So this isn't long-acting Uh, or long-lasting panic attacks uh, usually last, uh, generally speaking, around 10 minutes. The attacks can occur unexpectedly or can be brought on by a trigger 
such as a feared object or situation. During a panic attack, people may experience physical symptoms like heart palpitations, a pounding heartbeat or an accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath, smothering or choking, feelings of impending doom, feelings of just being out of control, and feeling like you, they're just going to pass out. People with panic disorder often worry about when the next attack will happen and actively try to prevent future attacks by avoiding places, situations, or behaviors they associate with panic attacks. Worry about panic attacks and the effort spent trying to avoid attacks cause significant problems in various areas of the person's life, including the development of agoraphobia, which brings me to talk about phobia-related disorders. A phobia is an intense fear of or aversion to specific objects or situations. Although it can be realistic to be anxious in some circumstances, the fear people with phobias feel is out of proportion to the actual danger caused by the situation or the object. So people with a phobia may have an irrational or excessive worry about encountering the feared object or situation. They also may take active steps to avoid the feared object or situation. They experience immediate intense anxiety upon encountering the feared object or, or situation, and they endure unavoidable objects and situations with intense anxiety. There are several types of phobias and phobia-related disorders. Specific phobias, some call, sometimes just called simple phobias, as the name suggests, people who have a specific phobia have an intense fear of or feel intense anxiety about specific types of objects or situations. Some examples of specific phobias include the fear of flying, heights, specific animals such as spiders, dogs, or snakes, uh, receiving injections, even, even blood. Next, social anxiety disorder. Previously, it was called social phobia. People with social anxiety disorder have a general intense fear of or anxiety toward social or performance situations. They worry that actions or behaviors associated with their anxiety will be negatively evaluated by others, leading them to feel embarrassed. This worry often causes people with social anxiety to avoid social situations. Social anxiety disorder can manifest in a range of situations, such as within the workplace or the school environment. Agoraphobia. People with agoraphobia have an intense fear of two or more of the following situations. Remember, 
they have an intense fear of two or more of the following situations. Using public transportation, being in open spaces, being in enclosed spaces, standing in line or being in a crowd, being outside of the home alone. People with agoraphobia often avoid these situations in part because they think being able to leave might be difficult or impossible in the event they have panic-like reactions or other embarrassing symptoms. In the most severe form of agoraphobia, an individual can become literally housebound. Then there is separation anxiety disorder. Separation anxiety is often thought of as something that only children deal with. However, adults can also be diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder. People who have separation anxiety disorder have fears about being parted from people to whom they are attached. They often worry that some sort of harm or something untoward will happen to their attachment figures while they are separated. This fear leads them to avoid being separated from their attachment figures and to avoid being alone. People with separation anxiety may have nightmares about being separated from attachment figures or experience physical symptoms when separation occurs or if that separation is anticipated. Then we jump to what we call selective mutism. This is a somewhat rare disorder associated with anxiety. It is what we call selective mutism, as I said, and it occurs when people fail to speak in specific social situations despite having normal language skills. Selective mutism usually occurs before the age of five and is often associated with extreme shyness, fear of social embarrassment, compulsive traits, withdrawal, clinging behavior, and temper tantrums. People diagnosed with selective mutism are often also diagnosed with other anxiety disorders. Risk factors. Researchers are finding that both genetic and environmental factors contribute to the risk of developing an anxiety disorder. Although the risk factors for each type of anxiety disorder can vary, Some general risk factors for all types of anxiety disorders include temperamental traits of shyness or behavioral inhibition in childhood, exposure to stressful and negative life or environmental events in early childhood or even adulthood, a history of anxiety or other mental illnesses in biological relatives, Also, some physical health conditions such as thyroid problems or heart arrhythmias or caffeine or other substances or medications can produce or aggravate anxiety symptoms. A physical health examination is really helpful in the evaluation of a possible anxiety disorder. Which leads me to discuss treatments and therapies. 
anxiety disorders are generally treated with psychotherapy, medication, or both. There are many ways to treat anxiety and people should work with their doctor to choose the treatment that is best for them. For instance, psychotherapy. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, psychotherapy or what we call talk therapy can help people with anxiety disorders. To be effective, psychotherapy must be directed at the person's specific anxieties and tailored to his or her needs. Uh, there is also medication. Medication does not cure anxiety disorders. Again, medication does not cure anxiety disorders, but it can help relieve symptoms. Medication for anxiety is prescribed by doctors, such as uh, a psychiatrist, uh, nurse practitioner, or primary care provider. Some states also allow psychologists who have received specialized training to prescribe psychiatric medications. So the most common classes of medications used to combat anxiety disorders are anti-anxiety drugs such as benzodiazepines, antidepressants, and beta blockers. So the anti-anxiety medications can help reduce the symptoms of anxiety. Again, reduce the symptoms of anxiety, uh, panic attacks, or extreme fear and, and worry. The most common anti-anxiety medications are called, as I mentioned, benzodiazepines. Although benzodiazepines are sometimes used as first-line treatments for generalized anxiety disorder, they have both benefits and drawbacks. Some benefits of benzodiazepines are that they are effective in relieving anxiety and take effect more quickly than an antidepressant, uh, often, which is often prescribed for anxiety. Some drawbacks of benzodiazepines are that people can build up a tolerance to them if they are taken over a long period of time and they may need higher and higher doses to get the same effect. Some people may even become dependent on them, which is not good. On the unit, uh, we watch people closely who are just long time benzodiazepine users because if uh, you just cut yourself off, uh, you do risk having seizures. So it, it's pretty serious, folks. And uh, you should not cut yourself off of a benzodiazepine. Uh, you should uh, just gradually uh, taper it down under the uh, guidance of a physician, nurse practitioner, psychiatrist. So, as I said, to avoid these problems, doctors usually prescribe benzodiazepines for short periods of time, a practice that is especially helpful for older adults or people who have substance abuse problems and people who become dependent on medication easily. If people suddenly stop taking these benzodiazepines, they may have withdrawal symptoms 
where their anxiety may return and may return with a, a vengeance. Therefore, benzodiazepines should be tapered off slowly. When you and your doctor have decided it is time to stop the medication, the doctor will help you slowly and safely decrease your dose. For long-time use, benzodiazepines are often considered a second-line treatment for anxiety, with antidepressants being considered a first-line treatment, as well as an as-needed treatment for any distressing flare-ups or symptoms. A different type of anti-anxiety medication is Buspar. Buspar is a non-benzodiazepine medication specifically indicated for the treatment of chronic anxiety, although it does not help everyone. So antidepressants are used to treat depression, but they can also be helpful for treating anxiety disorders. They may help improve the way your brain uses certain chemicals that control mood or stress. You may need to try several different antidepressant medicines before finding the one that improves your symptoms and has manageable side effects. So do not get down or just want to quit if the first medication you're put on uh, is not effective. Be patient. Uh, medications work differently for everyone. Antidepressants can take time to work, so it's important to give the medication a chance before reaching a conclusion about its effectiveness. If you begin taking antidepressants, do not stop taking them without the help of a doctor. When you and your doctor have decided it is time to stop the medication, the doctor will help you slowly and safely decrease your dose. Stopping them abruptly can cause withdrawal symptoms. Yes, even on antidepressants. Antidepressants called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, and serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, or SNRIs, are commonly used as first-line treatments for anxiety. Less commonly used but effective uh, treatments for anxiety disorders are older classes of antidepressants, such as tricyclic antidepressants and MAOIs. Please note, in some cases, children, teenagers, and young adults under 25 may experience an increase in suicidal thoughts or behavior when taking antidepressant medications, especially in the first few weeks after starting or when the dose is changed. Because of this, patients of all ages taking antidepressants should be watched closely, especially during the first few weeks of treatment. Let's now talk about beta blockers. Although beta blockers are mo most often used to treat high blood pressure, they can also be used to help relieve the physical symptoms of anxiety, such as the rapid heartbeat, shaking, trembling, and blushing. These medications, when taken for a short period of time, can help people keep physical symptoms under control. They can also be used as needed to reduce acute anxiety, including as a preventive intervention for some predictable forms of performance anxieties. 
Some types of drugs may work better for specific types of anxiety disorders. So people should work closely with their doctor to identify which medication is best for them. Certain substances such as caffeine, some over-the-counter cold medicines, uh, illicit or illegal drugs, and even herbal supplements may aggravate the symptoms of anxiety disorders or interact with prescribed medication. Again, even herbal supplements. Patients should talk with their doctors so they can learn which substances are safe and which they really need to avoid. Choosing the right medication, medication dose, and treatment plan should be done under an expert's care and should be based on a person's needs and their medical situation. Your doctor may try several medicines before finding the right one. You and your doctor should discuss how well medications are working or might work to improve your symptoms, uh, the benefits and side effects of each medication, the risk for serious side effects based on your medical history, the likelihood of the medications requiring lifestyle changes, uh, costs of each medication, other alternative therapies, medications, vitamins, and supplements, uh, you are taking and how these may affect your treatment. Uh, a combination of medication and psychotherapy is the best approach for many people with anxiety disorders. How the medication should be stopped. Some drugs can't be stopped abruptly, as I said, and must be tapered off slowly under a doctor's supervision. If the doctor doesn't bring this up, you should. This means you need to be your own advocate. Very important to be your own advocate. Uh, these medical folks are very uh, busy and sometimes things slip their mind or they assume if you didn't ask the question, you know the answer. So some people with anxiety disorders might benefit from joining a self-help or support group and sharing their problems and achievements with others. Internet chat rooms might also be useful, but any advice received over the internet should be used with caution, as internet acquaintances have usually never seen each other, and what has helped one person is not necessarily what is best for another. You should always check with your doctor before following any treatment advice found on the internet. Talking with a trusted friend or member of the clergy uh, can also provide support, but it is not necessarily a sufficient alternative uh, to care from a doctor or other health professional. Stress management techniques and meditation can also help people with anxiety disorders uh, to calm themselves and may enhance the effects of therapy. Uh, research suggests that aerobic exercise can help some people manage their anxiety. However, exercise should not take the place of standard care and more research is needed. So if you are experiencing anxiety, uh, please see uh, a physician, nurse practitioner, uh, counselor, therapist, so that they may steer you in the right direction. This is real life. This is Lisa.